Since 2014, Rowan Snyder is designing and building with his company, Le Compostier, the so-called Worm Hotels for community composting projects. A worm hotel is a furniture in which an ecosystem of compost organisms is working together to transform organic waste into beautiful worm compost. With a garden on top of the worm hotels, they give space to nature in neighborhoods and show us we can use organic waste to create a circular city. Roland Snyder, welcome to One Planet Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. So you have this, you know, very exciting, involved initiatives around composting. But just for those of us who aren't initiated or haven't begun their composting plans, you just tell us, you know, what composting does for the environment. You know, what kind of benefits do we see? Well, the idea about composting is that you take organic waste and give that a treatment that it actually decays into a reusable good. So you don't let it rot which actually creates gases and other stuff that's not so good for the the soil. You let it decay in a way that is actually contributing to building up more living soil layers. In a natural situation, this happens by itself. Leaves or other organic matter, like dead bodies of animals, they will be partly eaten by animals and other organisms that feed off that. And then in the end, it gets totally broken down by soil organisms and then becomes part of the living soil. But because we now are using agricultural techniques that actually take a lot out of the the land, it's very good to also give back. So especially in cities, we there's a lot of people living on small areas that feed themselves with stuff we get from the land. But then in cities in general, the organic waste is then not given back to where it came from. So in a lot of cities worldwide, you will see that organic matter will be actually burned, as we do in the Netherlands, or that it's been put into landfills. And in landfills, it also creates dangerous situations, creating gases and other pollutants that are not beneficial for the the environment. So when you compost, And especially when you do it on small scale at your own home, or maybe as I am trying to facilitate by building worm hotels for communities, when you do it in a group, but still local and small scale, you are taking responsibility for the organic waste that you are actually producing by going to the grocery shop and buying the vegetables and fruits that you need to feed yourself and your family. But then you are going to transform the the leftovers into new soil. And I hope also to inspire and to also facilitate city residents that they can make their own soil then to also grow food in cities. Because I believe that we cannot only depend on big agriculture. We also need to take more responsibility again to grow our own food and to get back into the connection with where our food comes from. And in this way, by making your own soil, you can also feed your own garden and then grow food. And so it's interesting because you talked about, you know, otherwise this food waste is or other organic waste is going to landfills and people don't realize the amount of emissions which directly contribute, you know, methane emissions that directly contribute to global warming. And so what we can reduce personally, if we one, as you say, also grow our own food. So we're also reducing food waste. Food waste is a huge contributor to global warming. And and if we were all to do this, what kind of, just to think on the macro level, what kind of reductions in global warming could we see? 
Yeah, I'm not a specialist in global warming and the whole climate thing. My focus is really on just taking care of my direct surrounding and getting a feeling also of what are natural systems and how we can start working with natural systems again. So what my interest is about teaching people how to use the worm hotels is that they actually start to take care of a living object. Basically, a worm hotel is a home for an ecosystem. And by just using it, they can learn directly from observation and from starting to use what is being produced. And I think that, to me, I see that as the biggest advantage from that. So I, I don't really focus, also not in my story, on maybe climate change. For me, that's a very big story. And I also don't really know what is causing what. I know that it's a good thing to take care of our surrounding. And in this way, I can do it in a small scale way and see an immediate effect. Yes, it's true. Just focus on the local and the rest will take care of itself. I find it's just oh. sometimes it's nice for people to have incentives because yeah. then they can feel really good about themselves. And, and we know that it's significant. And what you've done, you're working, you know, primarily in cities, but with a lot of different groups. So you're really affecting all of society who, are, who would be contributing collectively to this organic waste. Yes, definitely. I find it very interesting that with such a basic topic as composting, you can inspire people from many different uh, grades of life and bring them together. So my, not my only focus is on actually making the compost, but it's also on bringing people together and giving them a tool to take positive action. And that can be in the neighborhood, in a street, it can be at a condominio, it can be at a school, it can be an office building where people work nine to five wearing expensive suits, but then take a break working in the garden and seeing actually that uh, the leftovers from their lunch break is being used to feed uh, the plants. Yeah, and what's interesting is we thought that, you know, we used to think, oh, the leaves that fall from the trees, uh, you know, it's like a waste. We, we would think about that in the past, but really it's so amazing. Trees are so amazing on so many levels and worms, what they do, what they transform, what they consume into something even more nutrient rich. It's just an amazing process. Tell us a little bit about that process. Totally. Well, I must first of all say I've only started learning about this by doing. I'm not a biologist. I just needed to come up with a solution for my own garden and then started learning about composting. And one of the things that fascinated me from the beginning is that going back in time, long time ago, this place, where, which we call Earth, was a bare rock, basically. And from somewhere life came and it started to sort of like live off this rock and the oxygen and the water and then decay the rock and soil started becoming little by little soil was built up mostly also by all the organisms that lived before us and died so i think it's a beautiful thing that life is all the time creating a new actually if you let life do its thing it's creating a better and better situation for itself i i think that is the case so like you said the trees they grow a lot of leaves in abundance and then at some point they they don't need them anymore they need to actually let go of them to to prevent themselves from losing too much water in the winter time and then these leaves are actually adding to the living soil and the soil life which is very important for the tree itself can feed on the leaves so it's it's a constant it's not just a, a cycling but it's a giving and taking situation 
So over time in evolution, and again, I'm not an expert on this topic, but I just know a little bit about the story that soil organisms like fungi and bacteria, and then the bigger organisms like eventually the worms and, and others, they help the plants by cycling the minerals and, and organic, organic matter and by living close to the root systems. So then the trees, they get what they need from the sunlight and from the air and the water, but what they cannot get from there, they get from the soil and from the soil life. Yes, and I believe Kevin has a question soon. And I just wanted to say uh, how much we rely on these microorganisms and fungi. And it's even the way trees communicate with each other, they've discovered now. So it's yeah. part of their language. So it's very mysterious and in every beautiful. single beautiful ecosystem. Kevin? You made a very interesting point about how people should know where their food come in. Because I, I remember there's a joke um, about a kid growing up in a city and people ask him, where does your fruit come from? He will say it comes from a supermarket rather than a farming land. And, and I think that kind of represents a distance created, an artificial distance created between humans and nature. And you can even find this distancing in academic literatures when we kind of separate ourselves from nature as a whole, when we are actually part of nature. Totally. So I feel like, do you think that this distancing plays a role in human valuation? Like how much do people actually value nature is dependent on how distant they are actually from nature? And do you think that by putting in warm hotels that create their own compost and let them work on community gardens, this can actually uh, shift people's mind? Yeah, I think you make a really good point. I think with technology moving forward so fast and now even with sequencing uh, genome strings, like it seems like technology thinks it can actually build food. So like in science fiction, you will have the machine that gives you like the little cube and then when you put it in your mouth, uh, it tastes like a chicken and apparently in the film you get all the stuff you need. But what I think they're missing is that we are not all the same. Like we are all unique. I think we are not separate from our environment. Maybe we are actually like maybe in the big picture, we are all one. I believe that we are experiencing ourselves unique and separate beings. But I think in the big picture, we are all really one, one consciousness. And but on the level where we are different, we are also getting different experiences and we are communicating with our environment. And also we are evolving all the time. So we're learning and we're involving and we're wishing and we're creating. But once you start just giving everybody, let's say, the exact same copy tomato, I don't think it's going to be a very healthy situation. So I think it's very good that one tomato gets different food because uh, a bird died next to it and it decayed on the ground. And that was actually fed by the bird. And then I picked the tomato and I eat the tomato and it's going to be a different tomato for me than it would be for you. And in that way, we keep learning from our environment. And I hope, and, and I see that happening, is that the worm hotels, as simple as they are, they are giving people the chance to take a look at some processes that are very normal, but a lot of people in cities stopped evaluating. So yeah, yeah, I think it's very important. And further from that, you're also doing a kind of museum you're involved in. It's, and then that's also a part of, you know, educating the community. So tell us how that came to be. 
Mother Food Museum that I, I could, my contribution is quite small. I just made a warm hotel for this location. It's an initiative by Robin Fromm and it's on the location of Vis-a-Vis, which is a theater company. And they are in Almere, which is close to Amsterdam. And what Robin wants to do there is to actually take people on a small journey past some issues that are now concerning sustainability in food. So she designed together with a group of designers for houses. They're not really houses, but she calls them houses that are about water or about the soil. And so there are two more. And it also wants to trigger people to start thinking themselves, what is their role? And to experience what the choices that they make, what effect they have, not just on themselves for being healthy or not, but also on the environment. So if I choose that tomato from the supermarket or if I grow it myself, it's going to have a different effect. And in terms of the effects that you've seen where you're principally working in Amsterdam, you know, how has it been adopted by from businesses to schools to offices? Well, I started out making the warm hotels for communities. And in the beginning, the city of Amsterdam, the council didn't really expect the Amsterdam residents to embrace this concept of composting in the city, but it's been welcomed very well. And there's many people that want to participate. We're still learning and, it, and it's developing every time more, but it's growing and more and more people are using warm hotels in the city. And now there's also more cities in Amsterdam. And I actually started the first international pilot in the city of Oslo in Norway two summers ago. So hopefully I can inspire more cities around the globe to start thinking about this as a possibility. Next to the residents, I did a a crowdfunding two or three years ago to install the worm hotels at restaurants. And this is now, it actually was also, it it had a slow start, but it was picking on, uh, especially with restaurants inside office buildings. But due to the lockdown situation, that has slowed down a little bit. But hopefully now that is picking up again. Because I see that also at offices and restaurants, mostly the kitchen staff, they have such a passion for what they deliver on a plate that they also really want to give what is left over the same care. And especially then if they also have a small garden next to the restaurant, you see more and more offices or restaurants that will make a garden or that will work with a local farmer. And in that way, we want to try and enclose the circles. And so uh, it's interesting because there are different approaches to composting, or I should say different styles or some, Mm -hmm. I guess, and you could discuss your styles or what you use in your worm hotels, I guess, you know, focusing on the leaves or others where it's the organic waste and people even put like, I don't know, paper or cardboard or some other kitchen waste. So how, how do you approach that? Well, like you said, there's different ways of composting. If you have a big garden, if you have a lot of garden waste too, then a worm hotel is not necessarily the best solution. You might be able to just make a big pile. If if you have the space for it, that's perfect. The worm hotel is specially designed for the urban environment where there's not a lot of green space, where people don't have their garden where they could compost, but they do want to make compost to maybe feed the, the indoor plants or they will have a communal garden nearby that they want to use the compost in. So in the worm hotel, we focus mostly on the the kitchen scraps. So vegetable, fruit, leftovers, coffee, coffee grounds, tea, and eggshells. And you have to add a carbon source to it. So that mostly is done in in the form of uh, cardboard. But you could also use autumn leaves. That's a beautiful material to use. Or like some sawdust or wood chips. But then you have to be sure that it's of non-treated wood. I have a question. Like, 
You make a very interesting use of term closing the circle, and I feel like what you are doing is kind of creating a circular economy within a city, particularly focusing on the food sector. So I wonder, like people like you, I consider them to be kind of like this grassroots sustainability movement. So I wonder, like, do you see how the local municipal government has kind of been inspired by? Your actions or other grassroots sustainability movements' action to incorporate some ideas into their own agenda. Yeah, well, I, I don't know worldwide how it is, but I think it's pretty much the same everywhere. That organic waste is a big topic in in still to tackle like a problem or challenge how you want to see it for communities for cities, because a big part of the waste is organic waste. And it's very heavy to to move around. There's a lot of water in it, and it's actually a, a very expensive to collect it and and then burn it or or bury it. What I see is that in the Netherlands, the municipalities they are very open for creative solutions. So they give chances to people that come with solutions, and they work. They also are willing to embrace them. In the city of Amsterdam, they are now. Trying to make that bigger, and so to implement more warm hotels in offices, it's still on a small scale, but I see that it's growing. And I think what you will see if it grows more, that more companies will start coming up with industrial level solutions. So you see now small scale companies doing pickups of different types of waste, and then giving a local, trying to monetize it locally. So, for instance, growing mushrooms on coffee grounds or collecting old paper is is like already a very famous example, for instance. But I think there will be more and more of that urban mining kind of solutions. Yeah. And this is also important because it feeds into what we recognize as the need for regenerative agriculture. You know, how do we? actually add those nutrients back into the soils. Those of us that are, I guess, paying attention and care, we realize that we have really just robbed the soil. And if the soil, which we hadn't, you know, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, a lot of people weren't think, even thinking about soil, mm. but it has such an effect, not just for our diet, just, you know, the animals that live. So we have to really think about our whole conception of what is farming and what these spaces should look like. And that's really interesting. What are some of those farming solutions that you've seen within Amsterdam or in your travels that that are exciting? Well, what I find very interesting is people that start doing urban farms, and it can be very technical farms with LED lights and with vertical farms. But it can also be rooftop farming in New York. There's a lot of beautiful examples in the Netherlands. There's a few examples. What I like about that is that it brings the production of the food close to where the people live again. So that, that I find very interesting. Then also what I find very interesting is the food forest concept, which is now still being studied. And there's a few studies now in the Netherlands where they want to see if they can do it on a more industrial level. Not necessarily like industry, I think is the wrong word, but to make it on a level that it becomes very productive and also produce food for bigger groups of people. So that I find very interesting. The whole concept of that is that it's more about living together with nature and not it's the, the humans that just think about themselves and try to get the best out of everything, but don't give back. In that way, I always love the. I don't know much about American Indians, but some of the stories that I've heard is how they always treat their surrounding as part of themselves. So they would call it brother mountain or a brother sky, or I don't know what the names exactly they would give to it, but it's it feels much more like you treat it as family, and that I find very beautiful.
Yeah, that's so interesting. And that also runs through a lot of indigenous people's relationship to nature is that they don't ever feel that they own it. In fact, when it was proposed sometimes to them that they have to claim ownership, it's an alien concept that they had to be convinced. Yeah, yeah, I find that already, that says so much that you don't even have the concept of ownership. In the Netherlands, where I've grown up, you would see gardens and they're all boxed in. Like everybody is boxing themselves in. And I find it such a strange concept. Maybe that could be one of the things that would make a difference if we give up the whole idea of ownership. But yeah, I think that's a tough one. Is giving up ownership is, is, is a strange, even socialism is difficult for some people. Yeah. And Kevin, you're interested in this rebound effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like I want to ask you what kind of challenges you might face in your whole process in doing this warm hotel project. And particularly on, on the rebound effect, because I read this on an article somewhere that when you actually put the means of disposing waste, people might think that they have an excuse to actually produce more waste. So I wonder, like, what is your idea on this topic? Well, let me answer the last one. I think... Well, my personal experience is that once I started composting, I started becoming much more conscious about all my ways. And so I think it has a positive effect on that. So I don't think people will start making more waste because then they can dispose of it in a responsible way. Another thing about it, if you look at nature, in nature, there's just no waste. And Mia already said it, like trees, they actually produce like tons of waste, if you want to call it that. It's just not waste. So it's just about what you produce and then what function it gets after that. You can produce all the waste you want, then you can make somebody else very happy with it. So I don't think you necessarily have to look at minimizing your waste all the time. So that's one thing. Then what trouble I had, like, well, you name it, I had it. Like, it's not easy to start with something like this, but I think what you need is the will to learn and also not to be too afraid to make faults. Of course, you run into like, very strong opinions. So in the beginning, if you say, oh, I'm going to build a worm hotel and put it on the corner of your street, then the first three things is like, oh, isn't it going to stink? Aren't there going to be rats? And isn't somebody going to destroy it? So far, nobody destroyed my worm hotels. So that's a positive thing. Do I encounter sometimes that one of the worm hotels produces like an odor? Yes. If, If the people don't use it well, then it can produce an odor and you need to fix it. So if you work with people, and especially if you work on an issue that a lot of people are facing and they understand we need to come up with a solution for it, then they're more willing to learn with you. Did I have rodents or other pest animals invasions? Yes, I had them too sometimes. Do I promote that? No, I don't. But I do promote that I come up with a solution. So I've been happy and lucky to to get the chance to experiment with my ideas And to also experiment in a way that I could learn one by one. Like some designers, they will come up with an idea and then they will need to produce immediately, I don't know how many of the same thing, because it needs to stay under a certain production price. So I had the chance to just build one and then learn from the uses of it. And then I could change it the next time I build it. So in that way, every time it got a little bit better. And now I can very happily say there are some worm hotels that are in function now for seven years and still running well. Some are groups of 20 households, some 30. There are some schools, there are some restaurants, and I am just amazed how much they actually digest. So 
I don't have exact numbers. I would like to calculate that of how much tons of organic waste have been composted by now in the worm hotels, but it must be really many. Back in 2018, I was part of a research group that traveled to Amsterdam to learn about how local efforts had moved the city towards a more circular future. During our research, we had the pleasure of visiting Rowan and his La Composteur workshop in person. It was not in a fancy building, but in a garden, with blooming flowers and dense grass all around us. As we later biked around the city, we often saw these warm hotels decorating the streets with beautiful plants grown on top. These structures provided valuable services to the city by reducing food waste, increased public awareness, and bringing people closer to nature. It is truly wonderful to see how Le Composteur has grown in the last three years, and I cannot wait to see similar eco-furnitures decorating the city landscapes all around the world. Rowan said he became more conscious about his own food footprint after building worm hotels, and made an excellent point on how there are no waste produced in nature. With this mentality, we can see how food waste, or waste in general, are just underutilized, misallocated resources. After food scraps are composted, we're left with rich vermin compost with no waste to speak of. However, I do question if worm hotel or composting in general is the full answer to our food and nutrient waste problem. We need to look at the whole life cycle of food, from initial production all the way to their final disposal. The question is, does composting made up for all the resources and energy used to bring the dish before its consumer? This is something that needs further investigation. As Rowan told my research group back in 2018, the idea is still to minimize food scraps produced in the first place and only leave whatever is left to the warm hotel. Now, let us go back to the interview. That's great, because then you have the investment of the communities that it serves. Other people would take another route, like maybe going to venture capitalists. I don't know if that was something you considered or are considering. Well, I am I'm at a point that I would like to grow. So far, I've been doing all the work on my own with the help of some people left and right. At this moment, I made, how do I say it? The, the idea is to, to train more people to learn how to do what I do. So for different regions, there will be different compostiers and they will set up their own networks of worm hotels. So it would be very interesting for me to train people from different cities in Europe, for instance, and to set up worm hotel networks in Berlin or Paris or London and to also have them produced locally. That would be where I hope to grow to. And to realize that, yes, I would need more capital than I have at the moment. So if there's somebody listening that has something on the shelf, it's very welcome. Yes, well, because we're in touch with many people. That's why I ask and those directly responsible for large scale waste management. So I think that, you know, I've certainly passed along your grassroots approach. And yeah, I think it's something just be exciting if we could all adopt it. And particularly those, I mean, it's a challenge, you know, in Amsterdam, I'm in Paris, you know, where we there's a huge influx of tourists as well. So the organic waste that's created just by that where people aren't don't feel responsible for the cities that they visit. Mm -hmm. So it would just be lovely to have that start, you know, in the parks, in this in the streets, in yeah. a small level that here yeah. we I don't see it here. 
no, definitely. I think there's so many opportunities where they could be implemented. Yep. And I'm just asking this for a friend because I've shared your ideas to many of my friends, and some of them are really passionate about composting, both in China and in the states. So I wonder, like, if you have some plans to kind of go global with this. I would love to be traveling more, but with the current situation, I'm a bit stuck in the Netherlands, which is okay. But as I said before, I did a first pilot in Oslo, in Norway. Which was really nice, and I'm actually supposed to bring a new warm hotel to Oslo for a roof garden. And what I would hope to do is to set up, how do you say, corporations with maybe organizations or people that see a way how to to set up a network in their own region. So yeah, whether I would be physically moving there and teaching them, or they would come here and learn how to do it, or yeah, in what way that would take shape, I don't know, but that would be very beautiful. Yeah. Yes, because the training is important, as you say. If it's not properly, just go into that a little bit for what people who are already doing their own home composting about, like, say, how you're mixing the matter or what's necessary. Because we know that oxygen is an important part of the yeah. process. So the worm hotel, as I designed it, allows for a lot of oxygen to be in contact with the composting material. When I start the furniture. Then I always say that the group should be like half of the maximum size for to allow it to slowly build up speed of the composting. Once there's a mass inside that's finished compost, then there's so much life inside that the composting goes really super fast.、Uh, and the composting happens in the top layer because basically you're mimicking the the top layer situation inside the worm hotel. It's very important that people pay attention to what they offer to the worms. And also that they check from time to time if it's not too wet or if it's not too dry, and and do small alterations. The worm hotel, as I deliver them, they have a garden on top, and so the full furniture has a garden. So the full surface of the furniture is a garden, and that also helps to regulate the the climate inside. So making sure it doesn't get too hot or too cold, and then of, and the people from time to time need to harvest the compost, and then it's pretty much ready to use when you harvest it. And that's interesting, and maybe I'm not picturing this correctly, but because as I know, other composting furniture where the matter comes out at the bottom, but you say it stays up at the top. No, no. It's basically it's a big room. So the top layer is a garden, but then it's not connected with the composting chamber inside. And the composting chamber has an open bottom where the compost can fall through into trays under in the bottom. So you harvest the compost on the bottom. That's true. Yeah, I think that people and I don't know if you provide books or, or videos. I know that you have a great website that's a good you know orientation for people. It is in Dutch, so that is、right. an issue. Yeah, no, it will. It will be translated. The website is just—it's quite new. And like I said, I'm pretty much doing most work on my own at the moment, building and training, and also delivering all the educational material. But the idea is that it will be translated into English, and for all members on the website, there will be educational material available, so they can read the, see, and see the stuff there. I have some of the models I deliver now as a building kit. So there's two worm hotels that people buy in parts and build themselves, and I made some instructional films that show how to build it, and there's a manual. So and there's a small trailer I can send you the link for that shows a little bit what happens when you build your own worm hotel. 
And it's just really great for those who are doing whatever kind of gardening where you're making your own fertilizers. We know the artificial fertilizers are, are costly. You know, they rely on just more petrol derived or there's all these nitrates and things that you, you can avoid that. You can make your own fertilizer. You can make your own really rich soil. Mm-hmm. And then that is amazing. And it's just, I told this story before, but it, it always stayed with me when I had a chance to visit an organic farm and the farmer had one patch of soil which hadn't been made organic yet and so no birds landed on it It was just barren basically all the animals knew it was dead soil and over on the left there was this rich organic soil and the birds were landing on it 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 was full of life and they could tell so in a sense you know many of us have lost that sense but the animals know it and so you, when you can be part of that process and just the wonder and making your own fertilizer, it's really amazing. Yeah, I totally agree. I am always fascinated to even just open a worm hotel and just stare at what's happening inside for a brief moment. I have a community garden. I'm very lucky. I have a community garden in front of my home where every day I can just walk into with my bare feet and just feel the soil. I can sit down and watch whatever birds is, is visiting or insects, not all people are fascinated by this, which is also okay. Like uh, we are all very different, but I think it's good to that everybody values all the other living beings around us. I think that's, that's very important. And I, I remember you talk about measuring how much compost you've already produced. And considering just how many of our old technology has been kind of incorporated with newer smart technology and I kind of wonder if you have any plans on putting in smart technology into your warm hotels to actually kind of produce a lot of data for the users to see how, how they've been doing. Well it's nice that you mentioned it. I've built two warm hotels with smart technology implemented and there was one used in the, the Amsterdam office of Google and one in another office but it was a first try. So it it was not functionally properly. And my wish is to still develop that more. I had a company that was going to help me with that. But unfortunately, again, the the current situation has uh, put a small stop on that. But hopefully we we will pick that up. But also if students that are very smart with that hear this and would like to play a part, that uh, is very welcome. So as you, you know, reflect, and I don't know what first brought you to composting, but as you reflect on the beauty and wonder of the natural world, you know, what are some of those memories that for you make it something that you want to preserve for future generations? Yeah, there's so many. For me, one of the things that still gives me the most quiet is just to sit on a water side and just stare at water passing by the light reflected, seeing insects, just to see nature do its thing, like without me actually doing something to interrupt it, just fascinates me. Yeah, mountains, see, I I just love landscapes and be in the landscape, but it can also be in a city, like just look at the pavement. If you don't take care of your pavement, nature will take it over. It will just start growing in the cracks. I love ruins, like old ruins in Belgium. There's a lot of industrial areas that have fallen apart and, and just... If you pass by it on the highway, you just see the trees growing out. Yeah, that's what I love. Yeah. 
Yes, I think that Chief Seattle said eventually the grass covers everything. And in a city, it's true, even though you think we're so built up, but you know, you can see a, a tree that's cut down and in a week, there's other plants growing out of it, little trees. So it's really amazing. If there's a crack, you know, nature will find a way through and life will find a way through. So as you think about the future, and it's something that's ever present on our mind and education and the cities we live in, our systems and how you'd like to improve them, you know, what do you choose to prioritize in terms of making changes? And what would you like young people to know, preserve and remember? Wow, that's a lot. Well, so first of all, no, we are not separate, but that we are part of it. So to not even think of what is the benefit for me from it, but maybe even more, I find it a very beautiful concept of the food forest, like you're actually building soil and then just the surplus is that you get some food back. So maybe to focus more on giving than on taking, Yeah, especially for children. I, I think what, what I like to teach my children and also what, what I would say to students, if there would be, if I would give a talk about my work is to really look at what is your talent and what drives you and and how you think you can use that to improve and to create a more harmony that I think is very important. Do not think so much about what others expect from you, but what is really driving you. I think that's very important to find out and go for that. Yes, it's a very important message and we really admire your project because, and especially I think the way it's grown organically and with the help of your different communities, because it's not based on, you know, a profit model, but just like, what can I do with the very basic element, what this earth we walk on, you know, this organic waste that we might otherwise throw away. So it's really uh, calling out against this disposable society that Mm -hmm. we've all been taught to live in and saying, what can I do to change that? So thank you, Rowan Schneider and Nick Compositier for your work focused on giving rather than taking and your forward thinking initiatives that help reduce methane emissions and restore our soil from which everything grows and for helping us move towards a waste-free world. We all live on one planet we call home. Thank you for your commitment to make it a better place for future generations. Thank you. One Planet Podcast is produced by The Creative Process. This interview was conducted by Mia Funk and Yen Song Li with the participation of collaborating universities and students. Associate interview producer on this podcast was Yen Song Li. Digital media coordinator is Hannah Story Brown. Theme music is written and performed by Juan Sanchez. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this program. If you would like to get involved in the One Planet podcast and be part of the climate change solution, just drop us a line at team at oneplanetpodcast.org. Thank you for listening.